Hello, my name is Jillian. My name is Yolanda, and welcome to The Pemberley Podcast. Yolanda, we... the holidays are upon us. Christmas is right around the corner. I've noticed malls are getting far more crowded, and it's getting a little hectic, a little crazy, but it's it's a festive time of year. I've also noticed post offices are getting crazy busy, like... I can't think of any place I'd rather not go than the post office in the month of December. And I've been there several times. And it's awful. And there's fluorescent lighting. (laughs) Which isn't flattering for anyone. No, everyone looks ugly. (laughs) But there is some good news coming around the corner. We, We got ourselves a Christmas present. Or, you know what? This is our Christmas present to each other. We've upgraded! Yay! Yay! So that means we have unlimited storage in our Podbean account, and we can put out all the episodes our our little hearts desire. So get ready for 2017. Oh yeah. It's gonna be bigger, nerdier, and lizzier. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great tagline. It should be our tagline. I love it. We're gonna, that's gonna get tweeted out. Yes. For sure. And we are going to continue with costume theater, even though it was sort of like this idea to bridge the gap between episodes. We Because it was less space. Yes. If you people were wondering what creative force moved them to create costume theater, it was the awkward 13... Desperation. <laughs> <laughs> it was the awkward amount of space that we had left in our account for the month and not wanting to wait two weeks to put out an episode. Creativity. <laughs> We are going to use that space, though, to expand and create new segments along with exploring more of the fandom, which will be very exciting. Let's get into the episode, starting with episode 19, The Green Bean Gelatin Plan, written by Margaret Dunlap. Mm. Green bean gelatin. I gotta say green beans are probably my least favorite vegetable. They're not the best. They're right behind Brussels sprouts in the category of, like, vegetables that suck. How an unpleasant surprise. It's like oatmeal raisin cookies. Yeah, where you it looks like chocolate chip yes. cookies and you think you made the right choice, but you're wrong. So getting a gelatin and then you're getting green beans in there, that's like, this is not a pleasant surprise. No. Nope. Well, and you can see them. Like, vegetables don't belong in jello. Right, but that's why. You would bite into it thinking, what is this? And then be like, oh, I regret this immediately. <laughs> Well, we're probably missing the point. I think it's, I think probably Margaret Margaret Dunlap was like, what's the most disgusting thing I can think of? Red jello and green beans inside of it. And they're grocery shopping at four o'clock in the morning. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So this episode was uh, more serious and laying down a lot of the foundation of Pride and Prejudice and, and modernizing the core troubles that were happening in the Bennett household as far as why why Mrs. Bennett is marrying the daughters off or wanting them to get married off so quickly. Why they're, they're having money problems. Now they're, we're getting part of the picture from Lizzie mm-hmm. where the reason is that they are having money problems and they're having to shop at 4 a.m. because Mrs. Bennett is a little ashamed to be seen shopping with coupons. I'd like to know why she's dragging Lizzie along. Like how many people does it take to grocery <laughs> shop? Anyway. I don't think anyone likes shopping alone. I get that. That's true. <laughs> dilemma, dilemma. Yeah. But, but you're right. Um, 
it sounds like this news it, it's news to lizzie it's just hitting her she was always part of this nice middle class family where you know they weren't insanely rich but their needs were met and suddenly she's starting to realize that their needs are not necessarily met all the girls live at home so that they can save money maybe they contribute and help out their parents she doesn't say mm-hmm. that but she doesn't not say it lizzie definitely helps in just doing things around the house yep jane i feel like because if she's not paying off her student loans she must be helping yeah financially at the house and then lydia she's in community college she, she's she running around thinks like everything's completely fine she thinks she can spend as much as she wants because she is living comfortably yeah yeah i mean i'm sure they're all hard-working girls but it's been okay their whole lives and now I mean, Lizzie's in co- like she's a grad student. She can't. Yeah. She's not really holding down a job. She's educating herself. So ideally, you'd get a higher paying job. But let's face it, that doesn't always happen, right. especially in the communications field. Yes, <laughs> I think. I mean, it shows that because Jane is the oldest sibling, she has taken on more of the responsibility of that and is more aware of the harsh realities of their financial situation. Mm-hmm. Whether or not her parents wanted her to know, she just sort of found out because of in seeing them struggle versus Lizzie, who is now suddenly becoming more aware of their issues because they're shopping at 4 a.m. Because their mother is ashamed to be seen with coupons. Mm -hmm. And Lydia just has like zero idea. Sure. And I mean, let's talk about what we're buying with these coupons and why we're buying them. They are getting, you know, like we talked about the world's grossest food, Jell-O. And green beans, not for eating. God forbid we eat them. No, it's for melting in the rain. We are, this is, I feel like, one of those very pride and prejudice moments where, yes. you know, Jane has to ride on horse. Like, she, she's like, oh, can I have the carriage to go to Bingley's house and visit with him? She's like, no, you're going to go on horseback because I can see the clouds. I mean, it was England and it always, always rained. <laughs> but... She gets caught in the rain, she gets a big cold, and she's got to stay over. Oops, oh no, my poor Jane. And then she's like, my evil plan is working. And especially in this adaptation, he's training to be a doctor, so he can legitimately take care of her. And you can't just send her on horseback in a modern adaptation. No, but you know, the thing is, Mrs. Bennet isn't even counting on her getting sick. She's counting on her to wear a white dress, so that not only does she get soaked, but the jello will melt all over her and make her red, make her look like she's in an axe murderer movie. Are we going to talk about this? I think it it would be incredibly alarming to open the door. You see this poor Jane, red, like red dripping from her dress. It's going to look like blood. He's going to immediately bring her her in like, you've been stabbed. (laughs) I was just thinking that. (laughs) She's been stabbed. But then, like, what? She's, like, there with a plate of green beans? I mean, I feel like <laughs> sad. if you're, like, sending your daughter with a, a plate from your home, you gotta send mm. something nicer than a plate of green beans. We just discussed how disgusting they are as a vegetable, and it's not even something you cook, it's something you just open the can and dump them out onto the plate? Is, is this the game that we're playing, Mrs. Bennett? She had to use those coupons for something, and she's putting it toward her grand scheme of 
pushing their relationship forward, even though it's naturally progressing. She's mm-hmm. wanting it to already get to that next level. She already wants sleepovers. Yes. <laughs> nope, she's probably going back to the oldest trick in the book, which is trapping a guy by getting pregnant. <laughs> oh, gosh. Is that where this is going to go? That cuts deep. That's really devious. That's. I'm thinking about Ali Wong's stand-up Oh, special, trapping. <laughs> where she's like, this she's is the ultimate trap. <laughs> <laughs> he cannot leave. <laughs> happens uh, so she have- briefly mentions george wickham in this episode because she's like is it because george wickham's back in town and neither one of us got any sleep last night ha you wish what a tease that lizzie bennett took to the audience <laughs> oh yeah no and uh you know what that reminds me the other day on facebook i saw that natalie tran from community channel she posted the funniest thing she said me just finished a six-part period drama and they didn't even kiss. You can't do that to a person. Marriage proposals. Kiss. That's how a lot of rom-coms used to end as well. But it was a period drama. Right. So it made sense. <laughs> like, oh, I love you. And there's marriage proposals and they don't kiss. Oh. Did they kiss in the Pride and Prejudice miniseries? I haven't gotten to the end of that. <laughs> no, but I'm trying, because I've seen it, and I'm trying to remember. I... Definitely the Kira Knightley version they do. Oh, yeah, 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 but I'm talking about, I mean, because the one with Colin Firth, that was a miniseries. That's right. like a, I think that might be also six parts, where it's like two hours per episode, you give a lot of time, and they don't kiss? They may not kiss in that version. I don't even remember. I have no idea. There's no romance. Do they kiss Kiss in the wishbone version? <laughs> Well, he's a dog, so he, he always gets They get kisses. cuddles. They get cuddles. <laughs> That's just as good, even even though we can't really root for their romance yeah. the same way. <laughs> Classic romances where they didn't even kiss. Sleep is in Seattle. They don't kiss. I... At, they don't kiss. Yeah. They just like, what even was that movie? I will because... tell you because I watched it recently again. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a long they, time. They meet mm-hmm. at the top of the Empire State Building on mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, and... They miss each other, but then they end up seeing each other again. That's right. And so they kind of walk into the elevator together with That's true, the little boy and go in. You know, that movie doesn't make any sense, but I still love it. Because oh, it's yeah. the whole Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan romance. But you're yes. right, because she's in love with him. He doesn't know she exists. And you can't, yeah. like, kiss a person the first time you meet them and they don't know. It's like not, it was even before Tinder. So it's like, <laughs> he didn't even know he was meeting her. He's, she sent a letter. He sent a letter. They did it the old-fashioned way. Yeah, she sent a letter that his son liked, and so his son right. flew out. If you haven't seen Sleepless in Seattle, you should change that status immediately. That way you'll understand what we're, we're talking about. But that's an example of a rom-com that didn't end with no a kiss. kiss. That's right. Are there any other, like, modern... Modern, I don't... I can't... I mean, I... we're, like, lucky if no one is, like, naked in the first Exactly. <laughs> that's that's the main thing where, like, they sleep together midpoint and then they, they confess their love to each other at the end. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very different now. Yeah. But, you know. Classic period romances. Lizzie did not spend the night with George, who's back in town. I feel like we should end our conversations about speculating what his travel status is in her little hometown. So speaking of romance, even though there's like no romance in this in this next episode, but episode 20, Enjoying the Adorbs by Margaret Dunlap, is our second Lizzie-less episode. 
Lydia has hijacked this vlog. Again. And she begins with a fake haul in order to get Lizzie to stop watching. She thinks that's going to stop Lizzie from watching the rest of the video. My name is Lydia Bennett, and this is my haul! Okay, now that Lizzie has stopped watching because she's completely disgusted at my blatant consumerism. I liked this episode. The You know, we th- there's something to the Lizzie-less episodes. Because yeah. think about, like, I think Lizzie's, like, she said she's busy with finals, which I get. It takes, even though you don't think that a lot of work goes into those video blogs, you just sit and talk in front of the camera, there's effort. It just, like, it doesn't sound like there's effort with this podcast, with our conversations with each other, but there's work that goes into it, and when you're behind doing- Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, where we toil away on our humble podcast. Um, and when you have finals, which are something that's really important, especially when you're a grad student, especially when you're super poor, and especially when you might be losing the house, then that, like, takes priority over your little video blog, which, believe me, is not earning Lizzie any money. <laughs> It's interesting because in the descriptions of the videos, she does acknowledge that she has a growing audience as far as whether Lizzie could have been a top earning YouTuber. I don't know, (laughs) but that that wasn't the narrative of this story. Sure. I mean, IRL, her audience was growing. So I feel like one of the great transmedia parts of this experience was that the real audience was growing so they were able to fictionalize her growing audience in the show as well. Yeah, and it had a real effect on her family and her friends. Yeah. I love that, you know what? I'm going to say that we technically met a new character in this episode. The long-lost Kitty! It took 20 episodes. We are literally 20% of the way done talking about the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. We just found out what happened to Kitty, the most invisible Bennett sister. <laughs> yes. People were wondering and questioning where are Kitty and Mary, and at least for now, we have half of that question answered. <laughs> we know where Kitty is. She's an actual cat. But I did get a cat. I named her Kitty. She follows me around everywhere, and now you can follow her because she's on Twitter! Kitty is like, I'm just going to say it, she's the least relevant Bennett sister. Nothing happens to her. It just kind of shows Lydia's dominance because Lydia's the youngest. I feel like when you're one of five, you need to claim your stake of power. And she doesn't do that. She just follows her younger sister. Right. And so I I feel like this cat who has a Twitter account is probably the most prolific kitty to ever exist. However, comma, not my favorite because... (laughs) As we all know, in the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice, Kitty is played by the iconic Carrie Mulligan. This was her first movie, and we all know what she went on to do afterwards, and we're so proud of her for it. (laughs) We're so proud. (laughs) I I am, and I hope you all rally behind me. If you have reason to believe she's not amazing, speak now, or don't, don't, don't speak at all, actually. Don't tell me about it. Keep it in your head. (laughs) We find out more of Lydia's tactics and her ways to get what she wants not always manipulative but she's smart and she gets what she wants and a little manipulative right she's just kind of letting people believe that they're making fake promises and then she's like but you promised yes and then they don't want to say no to her sweet face exactly that's how she traps them (laughs) and one of the examples she uses is 
holding her dad to a promise to get a pony. And it was a dumb pro what what was it that he said? If the number one power company in the world goes bankrupt, I'll get you a pony. Yes, referring what? to Enron. Oh, I'm like I'm sure like it's a real thing, but I guess what kind of ten year old sets those kinds of stakes, you know? Like it it, it implies that as a ten year old, she was aware that the market was going south. <laughs> she knew inside tips, that's what she knew. Oh. Lydia's gonna outdo us all. I feel like Lydia's the kind of person who probably invested in Google very early on. <laughs> and she she's stocks. probably super rich. Then she should bail her family out of debt. Who knows? They probably are. They're probably out of debt because she, she's so rich. It's it's just a long game. And, yes. and she's playing this game. Yes. That's so funny. The pony's name uh, is Mr. Waffles. I... I have a big issue with this. Okay. Because Waffles, Mr. Waffles, Mr. Mr. gives him authority, but then it's followed (laughs) by Waffles. The contrast is oxymoronic because I respect a Mr. something, but a Waffles, it's too close to Waffles. I would respect Mr. Waffles, but Mr. Waffles is just a little too off base and I have no respect for him, and I take issue with the name, and I'm not sorry about it. <laughs> Mr. Waffles would have been a very adorable name for a pony. So cute, Mr. Waffles, but Mr. Waffles? I'm not sure where that came from. W- what do you think of the name Mr. Waffles? I didn't think anything of it when I first watched it. I just thought, that's a strange name. Okay, <laughs> moving forward. My eyebrows raised when I heard that name, really? and I was like, Mr. Waffles. It kind of reminded me, in fourth grade, we had a class pet named Mr. Wuggles, who what I think- these names? <laughs> well, but he was named, there was a hamster on um, Jimmy Neutron named ah. Mr. Wuggles, and so I think that miniature hamster, it was a dwarf hamster that was named after that one, and Mr. Wuggles was an aggressive hamster. Like, he bit my teacher several times. Oh my she goodness. was bleeding. He, he kept trying to escape. He ultimately- <laughs> I think the teacher or the hamster? The, the, okay. um, actually, uh, Mr. Wuggles, I believe, suffered a similar fate to Mr. Waffles because oh. he escaped and got caught in a mousetrap. Sad. It, it was sad. But Mr. Waffles died young. This pony. This yes. is why the Bennons are probably having financial issues. They're suffering financial repercussions from getting a pony for a 10-year-old who's really irresponsible. It's very... I. I have zero idea of the financial responsibilities it takes to maintain a pony, but I'm sure it's very expensive. Especially in suburbia. Oh, yeah. It's one thing if you have, like, a bunch of land and they can just live there, but it's horrible. The speculation would then be, did the pony actually die? Or did the pony, quotes, die? Where the Mr. Bennett just got rid of the pony and he because went to it was go- too expensive. Either way, Mr. Waffles probably went to go live on a farm and was very happy. Yes, I think that was the, the better fate for this pony. I know. I mean, I feel bad for any animal owned by Lydia. She's kind of like from Finding Nemo, that girl who shakes the- Darla, the girl oh, who shakes yeah. the bag. Like, that's kind of Lydia. for Like, I imagine her. But um, it really exposes us to her mad skills where she's gonna get a free party out of the rich doctor who's dating her older sister 
and Jane tries to discourage her from holding Bing to that promise since he was super buzzed. He was not completely aware of the promise he was making, but Lydia does not care. She's going to hold someone to their the whatever promise they made. And especially because he's new in town and she wants to take advantage of how nice she is, how nice he is. She's going to make sure that party happens. And I feel like it's a good way to put it. She's taking advantage of him. Because let's pretend for a second he was stone cold sober when he promised this. He's a nice guy. So regardless of whether or not she's taking advantage of his sobriety, she's definitely taking advantage of the fact that he's just a nice guy and he'll go with anything. He's really, really trying to make a good impression on Jane and the rest of her family and he doesn't want to say no. And then on top of that, he was really, really buzzed like borderline drunk. Like he probably couldn't drive (laughs) and he would say yes to anything and now there's victim blaming. (laughs) Like he shouldn't have made that promise. We have no indication that Darcy was drinking that night, but say he was the one to have made that promise, there's no way he would follow up with that kind of promise. I wonder. So it's definitely taking advantage of his niceness. I wonder if Lydia could wheedle that kind of agreement out of Darcy. That would show, that would really show her skills. I'd like to see that if, if there's any kind of future epilogue, that's what I'd like to see. Is Lydia capable of holding people to their dumb, casual promises to people like Darcy. I think Darcy is very deliberate with his words. That's so true. I don't think he would throw away just any promise about anything. I think he'd catch on. Yes, I he think would. she'd be like, don't, wouldn't you want to promise this? And he'd be like, well, instead I'd promise this. And he traps her. I think he immediately ca- caught on once this party was in motion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's when he realized what kind of family he was dealing with. Exactly. And we're setting up more groundwork for what's to come. So, you know, Jane is going to have to <clears throat> get sick and stay at Bing Lee's house. But also there's, you know, it, it turns into the Netherfield Ball, where is basically, I mean, like in the books and all the other adaptations, mm-hmm. that's where the Bennets once again publicly misbehave. And I feel like we're actually, this is, I think, what the coupon cutting is about. You know, there's there's something to be embarrassed about. And right. Lydia is really obnoxiously holding Bing to this promise, which was not even serious. It's just, you know, all these strikes are just starting to hit against the Bennett family. Let's go into the comments now, starting with episode 19. The first comment for this episode was by Robin Alice Clark, who said... Not first, but still pretty early. Well, she's first to us. She's first to us. She's going to have to be. (laughs) Uh, Soundproof Liz says, Thanks to this show, I'm now reading Pride and Prejudice for the first time and without being assigned it in school. I'm so happy that things like classic literature are redone in so many ways because you never know which version will stick with a person. I love YouTube. And I actually want to pair this with the next comment by It's Radish Time who said, Okay, I'm finally starting to read the book today. The anticipation is killing me. That's great. Yeah. You know, that's... And that's what I love about adaptations is a lot of times classic books look really scary. They're really thick and sometimes they're really hard to read. Mm -hmm. And so it just scares people out of a really good story. And so when adaptations like this are done really well, then everyone can enjoy the story because it's a lot less intimidating. They want to go back to the source material and and learn more because there's going to be more detail. (gasps) Probably my favorite of this kind of thing. It's called Thug Notes. 
Ah, yes. Oh my gosh, I'm going to put this on the WordPress page. You're all going to love it if you don't already know about it. It's basically Dr. Sparky something, and he is a gangsta who sits in a library, and he performs these really in-depth summaries and analyses of classic literature. Honestly, Pride and Prejudice is one of my favorites that he does. Happy endings for all them white girls. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to post it. My friend got me the book. Like, there's a Thug Notes book book and it's basically spark notes but okay thug notes that's awesome get it yeah anyway the next comment is by tal moore who says whoa 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 hold up george wickham is back in town and neither of you got any sleep this can't be good i mean it goes along with our speculation yes kiss (laughs) we don't actually know if george wickham is back in town i think that was just something lizzie said because she looks so tired, what people would be saying about her I looking mean, so tired. We just heard about him. <laughs> and Ruthie Anderson said, Why is there no coffee in the cup? That's my biggest pet peeve about television, and you follow the stereotype. Lizzie, how could you? Iconic. It's one of those things where you, you do notice when a, uh, an actor is holding a cup and there's clearly nothing in the cup. I mean, it's so light, you know? I like, know. you just handle it. A certain way. It's like in old-timey movies when people are driving and they're like, it looks like they're swerving the wheel. (laughs) Because they're like moving the thing back and forth. Yeah, to show like, I'm driving. I think movies damaged my perception of driving because my first Uh. experience behind the wheel was like those video games at arcades where you drive. Yes. And I think my mom was very terrified (laughs) by the way I drove video game cars because that's how I thought you drove in the movies. not just like the coffee thing, but it does annoy me when people are driving in movies and like they look at the passenger for an extended period of time. I'm like, you are not looking at the road and you are moving forward. Lie upon lies. <laughs> Hollywood magic, though. Comments from episode 20. The very first one is by Flavia Lucina, who says, I'm getting obsessed with these. LOL. I mean, us too. <laughs> Alina says, what does Jane say after Lydia asks her what big houses are good for? Because I'm hearing sex lives and socks lights, and I'm pretty sure it's neither of those. What was she saying? When I first watched this, I remember first watching this episode because I repeated that part so many times, trying to understand what she was saying. She's saying sock slides. Oh, like in uh, Risky Business where Tom Cruise slides out? Like like... that. Okay. Okay. I got it. But it is it was very difficult to understand which many comments were in agreement about that. Yeah, MK Wiles talks very fast as Lydia. And and then Jane spoke very softly. It's the worst combination. Fast talker and a soft talker. Yes. That's why we need Lizzie. Lizzie is like she she's articulate, she's eloquent, and she speaks loudly. And at a normal pace. So does Charlotte. Charlotte's very articulate, too. Very. Kurt McFried says, People keep talking about having a love-hate relationship with Lydia, but she's still pissing me the F off. I think the main reason for it is all the Lydia. Hank for Darcy, 12. (laughs) I love it. Hank for Darcy. This whole love-hate relationship with Lydia. I think this episode, because she does come across as that annoying little sister, up until now. I mean, she's still that annoying little sister, but you do see more of her personality in this episode. I think this is where a lot of people kind of shifted. And 
either tilted toward I do love this character or I do still hate this character. Yeah, I mean, she was sort of... I'm trying to think where my head was at when I was first watching these. I think I had a very neutral opinion on Lydia because, I mean, I I, I anticipated that she is just kind of this wild child. Mm -hmm. And so I accepted, I was like, oh, it's the wild child doing her thing. So I kind of neither liked or hated her. I was just like, well... I know what's going to happen to you. And mm. like spoilers, I did not know what was going to happen to her. But, you know, she's lovable. She is. And Brianna Dixon says, For all the people who don't take Lydia seriously as a character, I can understand your hesitancy. But as a person who's a Lydia-like little sister who is constantly trying to be in her videos, I find no problem believing she is real whatsoever. Not even a little bit. Neither you or I have sisters, so I feel like we can't comment on this completely. But I think it's that idea of because she has such a big personality, because she is so bold and out there, it it may not come across as a realistic character, but I'm sure there's people out there like that. (laughs) I mean, I think she's kind of nuts. I like it. Yeah. If she was in... You have to act big A for the camera, but also, I mean... Can anyone deny at this point that she's kind of annoying and all over the map? Right. No, so she's she's doing the job. She's getting it done. Uh, we'd like to end on a special holiday edition of Lizzie Bennet Diaries by speculating about what we think each of the Bennet sisters would ask for for Christmas. What about Jane? I'm sure she already buys a lot of stuff from Etsy. Yep. If you want to get Jane a nice gift, you would just get her an Etsy gift card. I feel like Jane would ask for world peace. That's also a thing she would ask for. (laughs) For Christmas. What would Lizzie ask for for Christmas? Lizzie? Like some kind of rare book? I don't know. (laughs) You know, that's true. She probably has like a whole book list that she wants to get. Yeah. That's true. She's got a huge like to be read list and that whole thing. Or like realistically, like a Chipotle gift card because she doesn't have a job. Girl gotta eat. Right. What about Lydia? I think she'd ask for everything. What would Lydia ask for? I feel like there's not one category. Like, oh, she'd want it's all like, the alcohol or all the clothes. Like, she wants all of it. She got a pony for yeah, crying out loud, you know? Probably. Who's to say she wouldn't still ask for that? Just yeah. because she can. Some kind of, like, the newest thing of something. I don't know what, but get that for Lydia. <laughs> yeah, get Lydia all the things. And then get Kitty, like, a little bell with a collar bell or something like you know that what for she the holidays a best friend who's a chinchilla so that lizzie can film her own videos there of kittens go. playing with a chinchilla and get a good picture <laughs> of a cat decent with a picture jeez and not whatever crap she found on yes. the internet <laughs> well this has been a very exciting recording we will talk to you guys after christmas you can follow us on all our social media on twitter and instagram at the pemberley Facebook, you can search The Pemberley Podcast and be sure to check out our WordPress page where we post these episodes and anything we reference in these episodes, thepemberleypodcast.wordpress.com. And feel free to reach out to us directly by emailing us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye.